Is building a successful business a dream of yours? Are you ready to do meaningful work that adds value and drives big profits? Consider joining the Tim Stodd's Entrepreneur Community. Our community is a group of like-minded people who support each other and help each other reach next levels of success in business, career development, and entrepreneurship. You'll gain access to one-on-one coaching, monthly roundtable chats, marketing and business education, and accountability meetings to make sure you follow through on your commitments. It's time you reached your full potential. Learn more at timstods.com forward slash community. That's timstods.com forward slash community. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Yo, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is a gentleman named Rand Fishkin. Rand has been somewhat of an idol to me. Um, Rand is the former CEO and the founder of Moz. That's, o- that's M-O-Z. Moz is a real groundbreaking and kind of revolutionary SEO software and also a, uh, a media brand. They, they've had a, a really great blog and uh, Rand used to do these videos every Friday called Whiteboard Friday. Rand has taught me so much about SEO and Moz, the software, um, was one of the first products of its time to ever come up with these tools to help people SEO their websites and to help people get more traffic to their website. If it weren't for Rand, I don't know if I would have gotten involved in SEO and studied it to the capacity that I did. His videos, uh, like I said, he used to do a, a video series called Whiteboard Friday. He used to release it every Friday and I would watch them religiously. I watched, I watched every single one for years and years and years. Uh, since then, Rand has released a new product called Spark Toro. Spark Toro is so cool. I got a test demonstration of it. Um, it's, we're going to, I'm going to allow Rand to explain it a little bit because the concept of Spark Toro is so ahead of its time that uh, I think it's going to take a bit for people to realize how powerful this tool is. But believe me, if, if you have a message that you want to get in front of people, whether that's going to be a product or a service or um, some kind of idea that you're trying to spread, Spark Toro is the best place to do it. It is the most uniformed, user-friendly tool that allows you to find contacts that you need to approach to help you spread your message. It allows you to find the perfect audience. SparkToro is calling it audience intelligence. And before this program, there really hasn't been a tool that's been developed to solve this problem. I'm really excited about it. Speaking to Rand, was it was humbling and it was a... Uh, it was a really, really great experience. Like I said, I followed him for years and he was a great guy, man. We had a really good time. Um, he was very open about his process of building Spark Toro and the problem that he he hopes to solve. Um, I'm grateful for the conversation and I know that you guys are going to love this conversation as well. So please help me welcome Rand Fishkin. Rand, thank you so much for joining me on my show. I'm really excited to speak with you. Yeah, Tim, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. So uh, we've been chatting for a couple of minutes before we started recording. And uh, 
I would like to just take an opportunity to thank you. I really meant it when I said that I've been following uh, your work and your whiteboard videos for years and years and years. I used to watch them every single Friday religiously, and it's like had a, a huge impact on my life and my business. So it's, it's great to speak with you. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. And uh, yeah, trying to brainstorm uh, some of that same magic for Spark Toro. Hopefully, able to do something on the content, video, audio, blogging side of things that can be helpful to folks. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic that you will find a way and I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. So, uh, so let's jump right into things. You, you had mentioned Spark Toro. You are launching your new product. You're launching this new business that I've been watching and, and following for some time. Uh, we might as well just kind of talk about the elephant in the room. You know, you're launching a brand new business during, during uh, a pandemic. Um, you and I linked up because I saw a LinkedIn post that uh, you had said we thought about it and we're deciding to go ahead and, and launch. So I think it would be a good starting point to just talk about why you guys decided to go forward with the original plan. Was there conversation to maybe wait a little bit or what was the thought process behind that? Yeah, so originally we had hoped to launch in March, yeah. but um, both Casey and I had the sense that there just wasn't a lot of oxygen in the room for any conversation other than coronavirus at that time. And um, that e even though the launch might have worked out okay, uh, it, just, it just didn't feel like the right type of environment. Um, and, and we wanted to you know, give ourselves and our audience a little more empathy. Yeah. I think even though Casey and I are, my co-founder and I are very mildly affected, both of us already work from home, you know, we have plenty of funding. So even if, you know, even if we weren't to get revenue for another 12 months, we, we would be okay. We would be able to pay our salaries and our, um, our healthcare uh, costs and those kinds of things. But uh, we also at, at the same time, um, knew that we we did want to get launched right we want to see mm -hmm. how this company goes we want to be able to um shift our marketing our product strategy if the market demands it and there's no better way to do that than to be live right and have customers who are considering you and signing up and not signing up and canceling and all those real life things um so we basically we basically waited until uh, we sort of saw traffic to non um, non kind of mainstream news properties recovering right. So once we started to see, uh, I don't know if you follow like Cortland Allen from uh, Indie Hackers, which was sure. acquired by Stripe, or like um, what's his name Ryan from Product Hunt, or like those kinds of guys. But basically, they were showing their traffic graphs uh, on Twitter. And saying like, yeah, you know, traffic has recovered. It's actually higher than it normally is. This was uh, a couple weeks ago, so start of April. And that's what sort of made Casey and I go, okay, I think people are paying attention to tech and software and marketing again. Maybe now is a reasonable time to, to go live. So we waited a couple more weeks, but uh, the plan is, yeah, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, you and I had some quick email exchanges and... Um... I do believe that you're doing the right thing through my websites as well. I think we all saw that little dip because everybody's just going to like four or five different websites and then um, it's, it's launched back up. So I, uh, 
I know it's nerve wracking, but just congratulations on, on your launch date. It's still very exciting. So oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was interesting to see kind of like that, you know, New York times, Washington post, CNN, right. Those, those properties just having this crazy spike. And at the same time that they're seeing that they're also seeing, uh, you know, a complete bottom drops out on the advertising market. Yeah, unbelievable. It's weird, right? like the first time in, you know, years that I can remember going to the New York Times and there's no ads. I know. Because they, they, they don't have any inventory, right? Like nobody's yeah. buying. I saw the same thing. I read a case study on, uh, I'm sure you read it too, even Facebook, their traffic was, they got 40% and their ad revenue was down like 20%. So they have more server space to pay for and less ads coming in with the inventory. So. I, yeah, I was talking with a friend uh, yesterday evening who uh, runs a sort of specialized online education platform and uh, was just, just starting out with this business and had seen that uh, in February cost per lead was around $3 and he and his partner were wondering, hey, can we make a go of this at all? Uh, and as of last week, it was 12 cents, 12 cents a lead on Facebook. Wow. Yeah, now's the time. Uh, great. Well, look, I want to dive right into Spark Toro. I'm, I think I would consider myself an SEO. And okay. yeah. I am very familiar with the idea of outreach and finding the right people in your industry and, and trying to figure out who to talk to. So for the last year, as, as I've been following the blog and I, I, I watched the introductory video, I still was a little bit um, just trying to figure out exactly the pain point that you guys were trying to solve. But then when, I don't know if you guys redesigned it, you came up with this phrase, audience intelligence. And it really just like coined it for me. Like, oh, with SparkToro, I can find exactly the people that I'm trying to network with to either promote an idea, promote a website, promote a business, and uh, get in touch with them directly. Which like I said, I've been doing outreach for years and years and years. And it's a very manual process, like spreadsheets and Google Drive and taking notes like, yeah, I talked to that person. I left that person an email. And um, SparkToro is, is attempting to solve that problem. And I think that's brilliant. So like, please just tell me about this product. Tell me about the idea and, and how you guys plan to help. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Tim, I think there's, there's a few points of genesis for the idea itself. Um, one of the catalysts certainly, and I'm sure you can feel this from my writing on the blog and the speaking that I do, right, is this deep frustration that I have with Facebook and Google's duopoly over internet advertising yeah. and the, uh, the high cost and expense, at least until last month, uh, of both of those, and also the lack of transparency both platforms have, right? So, so Google, you know, n never mind the search marketing end of things, but let's just talk display. There's plenty of problems I have with their search marketing end as well, but you know, just on the display side, if you buy from Google, they're not, you know, they're not going to tell you, oh, you want to reach this audience. You're looking to um, reach architects in Los Angeles. Here is the websites that architects in Los Angeles read. And uh, do you want to buy ads on each of these or just some of them or what? You know, it's, there's nothing like that granularity or transparency or openness. And, uh, and we think that sucks, right? I, I think it sucks that, that Google basically uses their monopoly power to dominate this field, Facebook as well, right? Same story, you wanna uh, reach people who have particular uh, attributes? Sure, Facebook will put your ad in front of them, but you'll never find out more information about that group. Um, and that, that is not necessarily what 
um, you know, product directors, uh, uh, market researchers, um, even, you know, web marketers uh, uh, like yourself and myself, um, entrepreneurs, right, PR folks, that, that's not what we need. We need the detail. Like we, we want to get down in the nuts and bolts. I want to know which podcasts specifically are being listened to by architects in Los Angeles, if that's my target market, or by chemical engineers in the Midwest, or by people who do yoga in Toronto, you know, whatever, whatever group of people I'm trying to reach. Mm. And, you know, we saw um, in, our, in our early stages, right, the first six months that I was doing this, Tim, mm. I was like, oh, how are people solving this problem today, right? Which I think is the, you know, that's the core of entrepreneurship. Like find a problem, figure out how people are solving it, and then see if you can build a better way for them to do that. So I talked to a bunch of people who, outside of SEO, right? Like um, for, you know, uh, complete full disclosure, right? I have a non-compete with Moz. So I am not in the, I'm not playing the SEO software game. I don't want to specifically help with that. I think you're right that some people who do SEO and who do outreach and, and, and sort of, you know, trying to get their uh, content or their links onto other people's website. I think some of those people will find SparkToro very valuable. Um, but, you know, I talked to a bunch of people who do market research and they paid, I don't know, have you, um, I don't know if you've run into these worlds, like these market research firms charge like 50, 60, $100,000 right, for a big market research uh, report on, you know, your particular customer target. And they give some, some cool information, right? Demographics and psychographics and that kind of stuff. But most of what you're looking for is, okay, how do I reach them? Like, tell me what they listen to, read, watch, follow, subscribe to. How do I reach this audience, right? So that I can do whatever. My, I, then I can figure out my marketing strategy and tactics. And, and we were like, this is crazy because you know most of those market research firms they uh charge these crazy amounts and they're um you know a three to six month process to basically run large-scale surveys right um and we thought this is madness right the best the best way to do this we saw a few companies doing it, it as a genius best way to do it is uh kind of to think like an seo right like let me go just crawl everything that i need so they go identify a few hundred or a few thousand of their target customers online like people's social profiles, Twitter profiles, Facebook pages, LinkedIn pages, Instagram posts, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Let's go crawl all those, see what all those people are following on all those platforms, and then do a big um, you know, cross-section analysis or a Venn diagram to see what are the most commonly followed sources of influence. And Casey and I are like, oh, well, we could do that at scale. Like we can just do that for, you know, we can crawl tens of millions of profiles and then make that whole database searchable. And that is where the idea for SparkToro came from. Uh, you just said it right there, do that at scale, which is the part that um, you gave me a little inside look into the website. And thank you very much for that. It made me feel really oh, yeah. special. Um, but that really was, it was immediately what I found the most useful point of it. Well, two parts. One, the, the, the interface and the, and the user experience is very natural. Because I was thinking to myself, like, how the hell are you going to get all these data points? You're crawling five or six different social profiles, Google searches. Um, well, actually, I don't know if you are, but, you know, the point is other, other databases, other points we, we of do, data. We do get some data from Google, but it, it's more like what are all the profiles that Google knows about as opposed to, yeah. 
yeah, directly yeah, from Google search, so but yeah. You're crawling a shit ton of data points and <laughs> yep. figuring out how to display it in one really easy to read and digest user experience. So like, I was very, very impressed with that aspect of it because my initial thought is like, man, is this just gonna dump me out a bunch of spreadsheets with you know a whole bunch of links to other user profiles, which is kind of what those big uh, data research aggregation firms do. You know, They send you a whole file of just like, this is all of your people and you gotta dig through it yourself. Um, so there was the interface that I was really impressed with and then two, uh, the actual technology behind it. I'm not a developer, but when I've had uh, products or software experiences like that that try to put a whole bunch of stuff in front of you, half of it is a little bit off the mark. You know, mm -hmm. let's use that that architect in Los Angeles. Great, you get some of those, but you also get a whole bunch of other stuff as well. So I was really impressed with uh, just the ease of it and and the user experience of it, but more importantly, just the accuracy of the data. I'm I'm not a developer. I imagine that's really, really hard to do and really, really hard to build. So I'm really interested in like, in that process. How did you guys fine tune the, the technology itself and the algorithms themselves to make sure that you were displaying accurate data? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> there's, there were a few, I, th I think what's really interesting about that is as we started testing it, like the very early versions, before it really even had a UI, right? It was sort of like, just little janky text-based thing that Casey had built behind the scenes. That was probably ooh, like January of last year, right? Mm -hmm. So a little more than a year ago. Um, as we were testing that, a lot of the results that we searched for, even the very first time, came back with really good quality stuff. Nice. And I think that is the result of just the fact that the, the data source itself and the, the raw process of overlapping you know, you take 10,000 profiles that say they're an architect and say they're located in Los Angeles and you look at what they follow collectively uh, and you're like, oh, that, that's just good data. Like mm -hmm. it's just good information. You don't have to do a lot of filtering. What we did find is probably one, one out of five searches, maybe even one out of four looked funny. Um, like didn't return the information you expected or was too broad. Like, Oh yeah, architects in Los Angeles follow Barack Obama. Okay, great. So does pretty much everyone, Everybody. right? <laughs> yeah. like, ooh, Lady Gaga. Like that's not you know that that stuff is not helpful. So one of the early insights was to um, basically try and identify unique uh, sources of influence, right? Podcasts, YouTube channels, social accounts, websites, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that were unique to that audience. So if you compare sort of an audience of architects in Los Angeles to a random sample of all profiles and you extract out the ones that are heavily followed by both of those groups, then you will get the ones that are uniquely exclusively followed by architects in Los Angeles. Mm. And so that was one of the insights, one of the sort of algorithmic things we had to do to get great results. Uh, another one was working on the text-based side of things. Um, there was definitely some uh, big challenges on like topic modeling mm. uh, types of things. And I- Because they overlap honest, so much? Sorry? Because they overlap so much? Well, let's, I'm trying to think of a, a good example. Um, so if you, gosh, um, if you use 
the wrong kind of topic modeling or if you do word processing in certain kinds of ways, you get results that are vastly too broad um, because you're basically uh, including too many things that the user did not actually mean. Mm. Um, so, you know, chemical engineer can't really be uh, topically reduced to chemistry and engineering because you get a lot of stuff that doesn't um, that doesn't work for that group. Uh, that so that that process took a lot of refining over probably six to nine months, even more. Even today, we fiddle with it uh, a little bit here and there. Yeah, I, I think I see what you're saying. It's it's almost again um, we have a commonality in, in SEO. So I know it's not an SEO product, but just to use this as an example somebody were to search like cars, right? Like cars can mean a million different things. You could be looking for a specific cars. You could be looking at, I think there was a movie called mm -hmm. cars, mm -hmm. you know, you could be looking at, Absolutely. I don't know, NASCAR. So sure you provided results that are within that topic, but right. at the same time, like where are you going with it? So yes, yes. That's, that's exactly the kind of problem uh, that we had to deal with. And, and to be frank, some of those problems are still, um, in existence in the tool and and the workaround that we have to recommend to people is you modify your searches or sort of you know you have to kind of learn the ins and outs of the product just like searching Google right mm -hmm. all of us in our first like two or three years of learning to use Google search we like picked up on what works and what doesn't right and and how to query the search engine and how not to and what words to include and what words not to. Mm -hmm. And now we sort of have like this shared understanding as a civilization about how to use Google search. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't always the case, right? In the late nineties, there was plenty of bad searching, right? And um, I think so Spark Toro is gonna take some time to to get there too, but it's it's been really cool to see you know, um, folks like yourself and, and many others like use the tool even for the first time and for many people, I'd say like seven out of 10 people, it just clicks. Mm. Like it clicks the first, you know, two or three searches they do. They, they hit the drop down. They're like, oh, frequently, my audience frequently uses the hashtag. Yeah, um, shop local. That should give me people who are like small business entrepreneurs and local business entrepreneurs that, that you know, shop small, like that's that American Express tagline or whatever. Yeah. That's that group I want to reach this hashtag will get me to that group and show me their sources of influence. So if I want to reach small businesses, whatever, in Canada uh, with storefronts, this is how I'm going to do it. And, you know, if you've got a local listing software or whatever, that, that's the, you know, perfect audience intelligence for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you my specific example. Um, I'm really interested in esports right now. Yeah. I've been interested in it from like a community standpoint. Gamers, believe it or not, are more than just like nerds that sit on the computer. Like they're really cool and the community is like really, really tight. Oh, and they make more money than all of Hollywood combined. <laughs> yeah, they make a ton of money. It is crazy how much cash is flowing through, especially now, right? I think that's one of the even more one now. of the few business sectors that's really bright uh, in, in light of COVID. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a buddy of mine, He's got a, a newsletter. It's called weekly.gg and it's just a weekly newsletter on esports news. And one of the weird things about esports is that it, it's, it's not like sports in the sense that there's leagues. There's just a ton of different pockets of like communities that sort of put things together and there's a million different games and it's, it's very fractured. So to figure out where all of these people hang out is 
difficult because there's yeah. Reddit, there's Twitch, there's Twitter. Some of them are on YouTube. Some of them Discord, um, yeah. stream on uh, whatever Microsoft's new thing is. Uh, I forget exactly what it's called, their new live streaming service. And so oh, when we're just associated with Xbox Live. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when we're trying to grow his newsletter, it's really tough for us to figure out like, where do we try to promote this thing? Mm-hmm. We tried some stuff on Reddit on some of the subreddits and it was cool, but didn't necessarily fit with them. And then, you know, we tried uh, going to some streamers and be like, Hey, we'll give you 50 bucks. Yeah. If like we mentioned our newsletter and that kind of worked, but the data that I was able to pull through spark Toro told me like exactly where these pockets of people hang out. And I just thought that was super useful. Yeah, it's, it's um, I mean, one thing I'm, I'm bummed about is that we don't have coverage right now of Twitch and Discord, which are very, very popular with the gaming world. Yeah, that's but tough. we do have coverage of YouTube and podcasts, yeah. which are also, you know, potentially good places to reach that sort of audience, especially with like email newsletter stuff. For but sure. yeah, this is, I think this is one of the challenges long term is like, hey, how do we get into more and more networks, grow the, you know, grow the data set, all that kind of thing. Mm. Cool. Well, um, there's a little, there's one more of like a, a little bit more of a personal question to ask simply because I've been following your journey and you've been very transparent with your experience. I've seen your book behind you, Lost and Founder. And, uh, I heard a podcast, I think you did with, I think it was with Brian Clark actually years and years ago, where you talked about your experience with Moz, where you made a mistake of thinking that SEOs were going to turn into just like all around internet marketers and you tried to adjust your product to appeal to like social media and SEOs and content and all of that stuff. Um, my hope and almost just opening up this for conversation with Spark Toro, do you plan on just completely staying in that lane and just being like audience insight and being the best audience insight technology that you possibly can? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think I learned my lesson. I hope I learned my lesson at Moz, right? That, um, you know, one of the, I mean, one of the things that's true is if you go back in time, right, to 20, let's go back to 2013, right? So seven years ago, uh, I think at that time, you know, I ran large scale surveys asking SEO professionals like, hey, what, what software do you use? What software would you use for SEO? And it was like, it was like 60% Moz. Right, like 60, 65% of people uh, who did SEO professionally said they either did use Moz or like that's who they thought of when they thought of SEO software. And just four years later, sort of four years after Moz tried to go broad and like took its eye off the SEO ball and um, tried to become a, a much broader product, serve a bigger market, uh, you know, the SEO field was probably three times the size that it was. Like it had tripled in size in, in four years, which is no surprise to anyone in that field, right? Maybe even bigger. Um, and Moz was more like 30%. And today, I think it's more like 15%, right? And, and people like uh, SEMrush and Systrix and Ahrefs and you know, plenty of others uh, have filled that gap, right? They, they sort of um, took off Along, alongside the SEO industry's probably fastest growth ramp, which was, I'd say, probably 2012 to 2018 was like the fastest growth the industry's ever had. Uh, they executed focusing on specifically that field right when Moz took its eye off the ball. Um, that, you know, that's, that's sort of heartbreaking, like to feel like, oh, you know, we were, if, if we had decided to 
stay focused on SEO. I don't know if we would have executed, but we almost certainly um, would have been in a, a massively better market position. And, um, and so that distraction is really, is really, really tough. That being said, uh, you know, the lesson I hope for SparkToro is, hey, let's, especially because we're, we're planning on staying uh, relatively small, at least in terms of staff. Like Casey and I don't have plans to hire anytime soon. Um, we, would, we would like to make sure that this business is very sustainable and very profitable before we start adding team members to it. Um, and, and we also want to make sure that I, I think our preference is let's do an amazing job, the best job in the world of serving a small audience who really cares about exactly what we're doing, who desperately needs this data rather than trying to serve everyone, right? Or be all things to all people, or even be, for, you know, you mentioned, for example, Tim, like right at the start of our call, you were like, hey, I, I love this idea that I can find all these sources of influence and then get in touch directly. One of the features, for example, that we've been asked about is, hey, could you do what PR databases do and go get contact information for all the, whatever, journalists, reporters, writers, interviewers, podcast hosts who work at all these places? And our answer was, nope, we're not going to do it. Like, that's not, that's not our bag. You want a PR database? Go to PR database. Um, we will, you know, it, we will be that source of data. Uh, and maybe in the future, people will build on top of an API that we want, that, that we can expose to give that kind of data. But we don't want to deal with, uh, there's, you know, obviously now with GDPR and the California privacy laws, like storing email addresses and phone numbers and stuff is... Uh, way out of our legal <laughs> purview also, but um, yeah, we want to stay exclusively focused on the data. Thank you for, for going in that route with me. And I asked it because uh, I think all founders or entrepreneurs at one point learn that lesson. And uh, why do we all have to learn it individually? I know. And like, why can't you just watch somebody else who made the mistake do it and be like, oh, that didn't work for that person. Let me not do it myself. Uh, exactly. Oh, you know? I wish, I wish that um, But yeah, so like, I think that's really great because when I was testing the product out the last couple of days, my, my mind has really just been spinning with it, with all the ideas, because what we talked about a little bit before. Um, and I also feel passionate. I don't know if you follow Scott Galloway at all. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. and just a lot of his ideas about the, it's even more than a monopoly because it's not that you don't have the choice to advertise somewhere else. It's literally that like it can't work. Right. Like if you want to scale your advertising model, you have to be on Facebook or Google. Um, I mean, Amazon's Amazon, Amazon's advertising platform is growing pretty quickly. So what's been happening at least for like little pocket agencies with the people I surround myself with is in a weird way, online marketing has become even more relational now. Like you use the internet to build relationships with people and organizations and the internet is kind of just turning into like a medium of communication rather than just this giant like flood advertising shotgun model. And so when I, when I'm, on SparkToro and I'm looking around, I'm, I'm finding people, you know, I'm like, oh, like I could reach out to this person and make that relationship. I can network here and maybe do some cross promoting as opposed to just, here's 20,000 people that are into architecture and you don't know who they are, but uh, here you go, right. pay us money and like, we'll put your shit in front of them. And so like, it's, it's very much more of like a, 
I don't know if grassroots is the right word. I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we're, our goal is, right, to disintermediate that yeah. uh, advertising giant that controls the inventory but isn't actually the publisher, mm -hmm. right? So I, like we were talking about the New York Times earlier, right? The, the New York Times is a, you know, a great publication. I have my issues with them. I'm sure everyone does, right? But, you know, they're, they're doing great work and they're getting a ton of traffic, but unless you know google's inventory system is working for them or you know they're working at scale it's it's really really hard right um and i think that there is uh there's a an, a much different uh challenge of scale if you are the seattle times or if you are the stranger our local weekly totally or if agree you are you know my local neighborhood blog the ballad yeah. blog they're also doing great work. They're also attracting an audience. It's the right audience for some businesses, but unless you are willing to engage in the programmatic transaction of having like Google and Facebook take most of the margin there, uh, you're not gonna be able to reach all those folks unless you know about them and can form those relationships yourself, right? So if you have a local Seattle business client and you can identify the 50 sources of influence that you know impact people who live in these Seattle neighborhoods in exactly the right ways. Awesome, you can just go direct, right? You can form a direct relationship with these folks. You can disintermediate Google or Facebook or, or Amazon, whoever controls the advertising there. They get more money, you get more money. Mm. You can do more creative things. It doesn't have to be purely ads. It might be partnership or sponsorship. Maybe you run an event together, maybe you, have some stock in their store, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, you can you can just do a lot more interesting things. And I think that uh, there is no doubt in my mind that when you are able to go direct, when you're able to build personal relationships, and when you are able to be more creative than what purely programmatic advertising allows, your results give you a competitive advantage over everyone else in your field. Yeah, I love that you brought in local models because I think that's so appropriate. Um, I live in Nashville and there's a ton of local Nashville magazines and they're so cool and they're such great writers and like the music scene is great, but it's the same old story. They, they have a hard time finding directly the people that they can do business with because they're forced to go through, like you said, the intermediators. Um, yeah. I think it's great, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, of all people that like the tech startup world is, is tough, but, um, no one, no one's really trying to solve this problem before. At least in the way that you <laughs> that guys is, have. That is one of the weird problems. You know, we, um, when we did a lot of our customer interviews, right. We asked people like, Oh, you know, how do you solve this problem? Right. How do you find the source of influence for your audience? Whatever. And, uh, and they were like, Oh, we do this, we do that. You know, we hire firms, whatever. And uh, we asked them, what do you, what do you call that practice? Mm. And, and the number one answer was, I have no words for it. <laughs> I don't have, you know, I don't have a way to describe yeah. the process of finding the sources of influence for my audience. It's work that I do, but you know, some people were like, well, it's part of our persona development process, or mm. it's part of our market research, or it's part of my um, just marketing tactics. <laughs> Um, so the, some people, some people were like, oh, it's what we used to call influencer marketing until influencer marketing meant pay half naked people on Instagram, Instagram to post yeah. your product for 500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
No, I think that's great. Um, that's why, like I said at the beginning of this conversation, that phrase audience intelligence, like totally clicked with me where I'm glad I'm, I get it. And uh, in terms of like the education piece that you guys have with, with explaining to people exactly what your product does, I think you really nailed it with that. So uh, I'm really excited, man. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm going to use it. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Tim. Uh, and, and thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, it was my pleasure. So, uh, um, okay. So today is the 17th. You said the product launches on Tuesday. So that's going to be the 21st. Um, so this will probably be the 22nd or the 23rd when this goes out. So if you're listening. Oh, awesome. Well, there you go. Assuming, assuming things, uh, go smoothly the next few days, uh, you should be able to get your hands on the product. Yeah. Great. So, um, sparktoro.com is there any other platforms that people can get in touch with you you got a facebook or a twitter uh i i am pretty active on twitter where i'm at randfish so certainly if folks want to uh reach out or or check out the stuff i'm i'm doing there um and you can always email me too rand at sparktoro awesome thank you so much for your time rand it was really a pleasure speaking to you i i look forward to seeing what you do in the future and, and one more time congrats yeah thanks tim appreciate right, it sure. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.